Thanks, CD. Uh, well, it will be a great help to me and hopefully to you as well if you have the passage open. Uh, there are Bibles at the back if you don't have one. Uh, but as we begin, uh, let me uh, pray for us. Lord God, we thank you for your word, uh, which you have given to your church so that we might know you. Um, please help us to see the truths which you have written here. And may these truths equip us to live in this broken world as lights for you. And we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, I want to ask you this morning, uh, what you, what, I want to ask you this morning, when you think of heaven, uh, what is it that you think about? I guess most of us are not thinking of uh, this kind of fluffy angel and clouds picture. But what are you thinking about instead? What is it about heaven that you long for? Is it the thought of being in a happy place? where moments of joy exist in an unbroken stream of happiness? Is it the expectation of seeing loved ones who have already passed away? Is it the absence of suffering, the new redeemed body, or a new closeness with Jesus? Maybe for some of you, you don't have a very concrete idea of what heaven is like, and so maybe you know you should want to go there. But if you're honest, you don't really think about it that much. Well, in this passage today, Paul is longing for heaven. And this is a great encouragement to him in his ministry. And today, we're going to think a bit about what is it about heaven uh, that Paul is longing for? We'll then think a bit about why this eternal perspective is so important. And finish by reflecting on what difference does a correct perspective uh, make to our lives today. But as we begin, I do want to make a quick point about the difference between heaven and the new creation. Um, So when we die, uh, we will go to be with God and we will have some sort of heavenly uh, dwelling. Uh, And that is what is being talked about here. And when Jesus comes a second time, we will be raised with our new resurrection bodies and we will go to be with God in the new creation. So there is a diagram just here just to help us picture this. Now, the distinction between heaven and the new creation uh, for the point that Paul makes in this passage um, today is not that important. Um, The focus is on the contrast between our earthly body, which is wasting away. Uh, compared to our heavenly dwelling made by God. Um, So that is going to be our focus today. Um, The heaven um, and new creation, um, the heaven or new creation discussion is a whole other sermon, which I'm sure he will deal with at some point. Uh, But coming back to our point uh, today, um, let's think a bit about what is it that Paul is longing for? We'll see there in chapter 5, verses 1 to 2, Paul is longing for this new dwelling that will be an eternal house in heaven. He is longing to be clothed with his heavenly body, um, which will happen after his earthly body uh, dies and passes away. I wonder, can you imagine uh, that eternal body not having to worry about illness or death? I wonder, have you ever thought about how old age and illness are always just temporary stages for the Christian. The wasting away that Paul has known as he ministers is just temporary. His body will be restored one day, and not just restored, uh, but made so much better. 
Paul is also longing for this heavenly dwelling because it will no longer be mortal. There will be no death, but instead true life. Uh, See there in verse 4, this life is hard, we groan, we are burdened, but in the future we will know life eternal. Finally, the the heaven that Paul is longing for, um, as we see there in verse 8, heaven is the place where Paul will be at home with his Lord. And in Revelation 21 and 22, uh, right at the end of the Bible, we're told more of what awaits us ultimately in the new creation. When Jesus comes again, there will be no more death, no tears, no suffering, no mourning. But the most glorious thing about heaven is that it will be a place where we dwell with God. That perfect relationship that we all long for will be found in our relationship with Christ. And often when people long for heaven, they're thinking of the no more suffering, they're thinking of this beautiful world. And those things are true and they are amazing. But the most awesome thing about heaven will be our access to God, living in perfect harmony with him. And I want us to be very clear here. This is not wishful thinking. Uh, This is not a nice idea. This is the future for the Christian. And you will find it difficult or maybe even impossible to keep living the Christian life without a proper perspective on eternity. You will have no way to handle the outward wasting away. No way to properly handle the troubles and burdens of life and ministry. You will certainly not be able to say with Paul in verse 8, you prefer to be away from the body and at home with God. And given this glorious picture of heaven uh, that Paul is very aware of, isn't it right that he groans for heaven, longing to be clothed with this heavenly body, at home with his Lord? And maybe we need to ask ourselves, if we don't feel the same way, is it because we just love this earth too much? Or because we love God too little? Or maybe because our view of heaven is just too shallow? Maybe we need to reflect a little more on the greatness of God's promises for our future. But in one sense, you know, the way we forget about heaven or put it to one side is kind of understandable, right? I mean, there's no travel brochures that tell us what heaven is going to be like. When we search on Google for pictures, we see angels and harps and clouds. It's all just not very inspiring. This world is so real, whereas heaven, even for Christians, can sometimes seem just too much like a fairy story. And many of us are sort of content with that. You know, we know that heaven is there, but it doesn't seem that important to think too much about it now. And the question I want us to ask this morning is, does that matter? Does it matter if I put heaven to one side for now? Well, in this passage, the future heavenly home with God is a huge motivation for Paul to keep going, even when ministry was really difficult. As Paul seems to imply here, I do think there's a real problem when we forget about the future of the Christian, when we forget about our eternal home. And let's think about a few of those problems now. So when we forget about the glory of eternity, when we forget about God's promises for the future, well, we have unrealistic expectations for this life. 
Does God promise good health for us in the absence of suffering? Does God promise riches for us? Does God promise a life of blessing? Well, actually, the answer to that is yes to all of those things. But the complete fulfillment of those promises will not be now, not in this life, but in heaven. But if we forget about heaven, then we start to expect those things now. The hope that Paul has in this passage, the reason he can give up his life for ministry, is that he knows what God has promised and he trusts that God will bring it about in the future. And so he is willing to be burdened with ministry here because he trusts in those future promises. It is not wrong to want to have good health, to want to have a good life. As creatures made by God, we are created to recognize what is good. But the danger is that if we forget about heaven, we expect those good things now. And God has not promised this. If anything, Jesus tells us the opposite. In Mark 8, verses 34 and 35, Jesus um, tells us, to, he tells his disciples, he tells us to give, to give our lives up, to follow Christ's example of suffering and death. It is as we lose our lives that we gain true life. And you see, the problem of forgetting about heaven is not just that our expectations for this life are then not correct, but this then impacts our relationship with God. Guess what happens if we have these expectations of an easy and blessed life, but then our experience tells us how hard life is, that we don't always get what we want, that life is painful, that ministry is hard work and requires self-sacrifice. What's going to happen? Well, if we are expecting a life of heaven on earth, then when life is hard, it looks like God has broken his promises, like he messed up his end of the deal. The result being that we feel conned, we feel disappointed with God. So Paul's example is actually particularly striking. So Paul has given up, so Paul who wrote uh, this letter, has given up uh, what is a fairly comfortable position as a Pharisee to live as a traveling tent maker, wandering around the Middle East, preaching a largely unpopular message. He was imprisoned, he was beaten, he was shipwrecked, he often went without sleep. He felt tempted by sin and burdened by his concern for those he ministered with. And yet, see there in verse 17 of our passage? Paul says that his troubles are light and momentary. Light and momentary? Really? Look down again at verse 17. Paul could only say that. See how that verse ends? Because of the eternal glory that will be his in the future. The weight of that glory, which he will know fully in heaven, is so weighty, so awesome, that Paul can say all these difficulties are in comparison light and momentary. His expectation of what heaven will be like and the certainty with which he expects to be there allow him to live this difficult life with purpose, with hope, knowing the great future that God has for him. Yet, as we see Paul's example, I do want to recognize with you how hard this can be. It's true that 70 or 80 years is short in the context of eternity. 
But it is a long time to grit our teeth and bear the kind of wasting away that Paul is talking about. And on one level, this is only possible because graciously God gives his spirit to work in us and affecting this change within us. But I do want to encourage us that the more we reflect on God's promises for the future, the more we will be able to live this kind of self-sacrificial life, this radical life where we're willing to do ministry. It's a bit like when you book your holiday. So you know that feeling when you've been working really hard, uh, maybe church seems like a bit of a struggle, uh, you're really tired, but then you book your holiday The flights are booked. The hotel is sorted. Nothing has changed. You still have to go to work. You're still tired. Yet you feel more able to keep on going because the holiday is booked. There is rest coming. Do you feel like that sometimes? Well, that's how heaven should be for us. The knowledge and certainty of it keeps us going now. Yes, it is hard but a great future awaits. But finally, um, should this future hope change the way we practically live now? Well, it certainly does in Paul's case. Paul's longing for heaven sets him free to focus on pleasing God. Paul knows that his current troubles are achieving something glorious, Paul knows that though outwardly his body is breaking, yet he will be clothed with this new body. Paul knows that God is in control and has a good plan in life or death. And see there in verse 9, this means that Paul can focus on pleasing God. And in the context of this passage, we know that a key way that Paul pleases God is through the ministry that he undertakes. And just a reminder for us, ministry here is not just formal church work or charity work. The word ministry in the original Greek means to serve others. Christian ministry is about self-sacrificially serving others. So when you pray for those in your workplace, parents as you raise your children, as we speak to people about Jesus, as we serve in church, all of those things are ministering. And Paul has confidence that even if his ministry leads to his physical death, yet he will be clothed with this, his heavenly dwelling. And this knowledge allows Paul to be willing to give his life, his time, his money. This kind of knowledge allows Paul to put aside his desires, put aside his preferences for the sake of Christ and for the sake of the gospel, knowing that a glorious future with his Lord awaits him. But let me tell you a story. So a man goes on holiday for two weeks. And when he arrives at his destination, he goes to check in at his hotel. The next day, he goes out and starts buying all these luxuries for his hotel room. Uh, The room was fairly plain when he arrived. But each day, he goes out and buys new things for his hotel room. He buys a new lamp, some curtains a few pictures for the wall. He gets a better TV, a tea set, some wine glasses. In one corner, he puts a bookcase and fills it with books from the local market. But in two weeks, his trip is at an end. 
It's time to go home. All the additions and improvements he has made to his room get left behind. He can't take everything with him. And we hear this story and think, wow, that man, like, he wasn't very clever. Like, he knew he was only there on holiday. He knew he was only there for two weeks. He wasted that short amount of time he was there, making his hotel room seem like home. But it was not his home. His home was somewhere else. And I want to suggest that we can often act like this man. This world is not our home. It is not where we are ultimately intended to be. We will see in next week's sermon, we are a new creation. We are made for another place. This place is not our home. And sometimes we fall into the trap of being like the man in the hotel room. We forget that we are here for just a short time. We are not a resident. We're just travelers here. So don't get too comfortable. In John's gospel, we see the cost of this new home. In Jesus' last sermon, before he's arrested and crucified, he tells the disciples that he's going to prepare a place for them and us in heaven. This home we have is freely offered to all who put their trust in Christ, yet it was a costly home brought for us by the death of Christ. So what should our response to this be? Well, invest in things today that impact on eternity. Think through, how do you use your money, your gifts, in a way that takes into account our little time on this earth and the awesome promises that God has made for our future with him at home? Let me pray for us. Father God, we thank you for the promises you have given us as to the future you have made ready for your people. We look forward to our new bodies, to a life without suffering and death, to a life where we know you more closely and more deeply. Thank you that as we trust in Jesus and what he accomplished on the cross, we can have confidence that we will be in heaven with you. Lord God, we ask for your help in reminding us of your promises of the future so that we can have the right expectations for this life. Remind us of the temporary nature of this world and may we live wisely now in light of the future we have with you. We thank you for the home that you have made ready for us and until you call us home, equip us to live lives that please you in all things. And we pray these things for the sake of Christ. Amen.